Welcome to the Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery, where every death had a life and every life had a story. My name is Jenny Johnson. Hello, and I'm Diane Hartshorn. And you guys are in for a treat. Um, most of you are probably listening on one of the apps that you can listen to us on Spotify or Google Podcast or Apple Podcast or whatever um, you choose to listen on. However, Today's episode is the first, hopefully, fingers crossed, of many that work out like this, but we are actually filming this as well as recording this, and it is on our YouTube channel, The Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery. So if you want to go back and watch it, you can actually see Diane and I in person as we're recording. You see me take my cough drop right out of my mouth right before we started, so (laughs) it's going to be awesome. It's yes, but we we thought it would be fun to start. Um, we do have some of our episodes uploaded to YouTube, but not with video of us. Right. But we discussed after we recorded last week's episode, we thought it would be a lot of fun to maybe do this that our listeners uh, might enjoy actually seeing us on occasion. And the other upside to doing this is if again, if you're watching us, you can see behind us um, the Tate headstone and Tate. James and Olivia are the focus of today's episode. So uh, Diane went to find a grave in this case and -hmm. found a picture of the headstone of the couple that we are featuring in today's episode. So uh, it was taken by L. Ferry, Ferrari. I don't know if I'm saying this person's last name right. It's F E. uh, I can't read F E R R E E. Uh, and the picture was posted on February 16th or February 5th, 2016. I apologize. Uh, so this uh, particular grave is nice to be able to feature yeah. the person's group. Well, in this case, people, because it's a couple, uh, two people who we'll be talking about for this entire episode. And since it's in Georgia, it's one that uh, Diane and I cannot just pop over and visit anytime we want because we are not in Georgia. <laughs> it would be nice. I wish we were, but we're not. Well, if we happen to be able to make it to the Association for Gravestones um, okay. annual event this year, it will be in Atlanta. And I would think that this particular cemetery is probably on the list of cemeteries to visit while you were in Atlanta. But even if not, if you're in Atlanta, <laughs> visiting Atlanta, this is definitely a cemetery you should take time to visit mm-hmm. uh, because it is one of their more historic cemeteries. A beautiful so, cemetery. Yes. So today is the first day of February and the first week of our month-long celebration of love, which I forgot to totally bring up last week in last week's episode because I didn't realize just how close we were getting to February oh. when we recorded last week. So uh, yes. All month long, we will be featuring love stories of some sort. Uh, last year, our most popular love story happened to be the one that we did on the horse that served in, was it the Korean War? World War One? Oh, no. Now I've forgotten. We've done so many stories since then. I don't remember. I, I don't want to say World War One and have it be the Korean War. I know. I feel like. This is really bad on our part. I'll go back and double check it. But last year, that was of our love stories that we featured. That was the most popular episode, but we know how much people love animals. So um, I'm sure uh, that 
this year's animal, which we haven't decided on yet, but we will feature another animal love story of some sort this month. Um, I'm sure folks will enjoy that episode. It is also the beginning of Black History Month. So we are able to bring you a story of true love that celebrates both love and Black History Month. Today, we take you to Atlanta, Georgia's historic Oakland Cemetery and the gravesite of James and Olivia Tate. You must kiss Jimmy and little Mary Olivia for me and tell them their papa would give anything he had in this world to see them both. These words were written in a letter from James to Olivia circa 1863. At the time, both were still enslaved, and even though they were married, they did not live together. Birth records for James and Olivia are non-existent, but based on census records and other documents post-Civil War, we know that James was born sometime between 1826 and 1834 in Elbert County, Georgia, and Olivia between 1837 and 1840, most likely in South Carolina. James was the son and property of his enslaver, Horatio Tate. He was taken from his mother at birth and never knew her. According to records, James was taught to read and write by his father, even though it was highly illegal at the time. In 1829, Georgia law stated, if a white person teaches a free Negro or slave to read or write, he is fined $500 and imprisoned at the discretion of the court. If the offender be a colored man, bond or free, he is to be fined or whipped at the discretion of the court. Of course, a father may be flogged for teaching his own child. So his learning to read, and he apparently kind of grew up alongside his half-brothers who were white um, and got a lot of the same education in that respect. But if it had been found out what he was doing or what his father was doing at the time, would have led to a lot of trouble. Olivia Parham was enslaved by John Parham. It seems the family lived on several different plantations between South Carolina and Georgia. It was while the family was in Georgia that James and Olivia met one Sunday when attending church, and I say church in quotations, uh, a brief aside on church for many enslaved people. According to PewResearch.org, interactions between enslaved people and Christian missionaries and other evangelists led to the spread of Christianity among Black Americans. Many slave owners initially resisted these evangelistic efforts, partially out of concern that if enslaved people became Christians, they would see themselves as their owners' equals. By 1706, this fear by slave owners had spurred legislation in at least six colonies declaring that an enslaved person's baptism did not entail their freedom. In addition, many enslaved people who did become Christians had to deal with restrictions by masters who forbade them from attending church or prayer meetings. To get around these restrictions and for alternatives to sermons by white clergy asking them to obey their owners, many Christian enslaved people held secret services with distinctive styles of praying, singing, and worship. These services were typically held in their cabins or in nearby woods, gullies, ravines, and thickets. When James and Olivia first met, it was at a location between plantations referred to as the Brush Arbor. 
James began to court Olivia by taking walks with her each Sunday, and eventually he asked her to be his wife. Now, and just to point out, though, this particular group um, that was meeting on Sundays, they were all enslaved on various plantations. They were meeting with um, their plantation owner's knowledge in this case, uh, it, but they still didn't have, like, a, at that point, an actual church building where they met. They just would get together to worship on Sundays. Of course, marriage between enslaved individuals was not legally recognized at the time. Archives.gov says slave marriages had neither legal standing nor protection from the abuses and restrictions imposed on them by slave owners. Slave husbands and wives without legal recourse could be separated or sold at their master's will. Couples who resided on different plantations were allowed to visit only with the consent of their owners. Slaves often married without the benefit of clergy, and as historian John Blassingham states, the marriage ceremony in most cases consisted of the slaves simply getting the master's permission and moving into a cabin together. However, James went to his father and asked if he could arrange for him and Olivia to be married. Horatio Tate and John Parham consented to the marriage although James and Olivia each remained living full-time with their enslavers. They were, however, allowed to spend a certain amount of time together, and this allowed them to conceive their first two children, James, Jimmy, and Mary Olivia. Not long after Mary Olivia's birth, however, the Parham family, along with their slaves, relocated to Mobile, Alabama. James asked to buy Olivia's freedom, but was denied. Sadly, Black slaves were seen and treated as cattle, cattle that couldn't possibly understand the love, uh, true love, and they were told to just find other spouses among those that they were enslaved with. This was something both James and Olivia were unwilling to do. Unlike so many other enslaved couples, however, James and Olivia were able to keep in touch through letters, as James taught Olivia to read and write. In one letter, James wrote, For I cannot think of any other woman, nor love any other but you, my dear wife. Letter writing was risky, of course, as it could get both James and Olivia in serious trouble. But they persisted, and fortunately, some of their letters survived and are now on file at the New York Public Library. Oh, I mean, that's amazing in and of itself. Right? <laughs> The winds of change swept through the nation and especially in the southern United States with the end of the Civil War in 1865, bringing with them the promise of freedom for those who had long been shackled by the chains of slavery like James and Olivia. James was given a small amount of money from Horatio Tate, which he took to Atlanta, where he opened the first Black-owned business in the city, James Tate and Sons Dry Goods. With the money he made from the store, he was eventually able to pay for Olivia, Jimmy, and Mary Olivia to join him, and they were at last able to make their home together. James's store was extremely successful, and he was proud that he was able to provide a lovely home for his family, and that it was not necessary for Olivia to also work. Over the next several years, the family would grow to include at least two more children, Hattie and Thaddeus, though some records indicate there were a total of six children 
born to the couple. Although I couldn't find the names of the other two children. There was in one record that I looked at another child that they also apparently named James, who was a couple years younger than the older Jimmy. Mm -hmm. But I, I only saw that name listed in one place. So I didn't know if that was a mistake. Like whoever was taking that census listed Jimmy twice, or if there really was another James or what exactly, but then I never could find that name again in any other records going forward. So I'm not entirely sure if they had four children total or six children total. It was, it was a little confusing. As he died as infant, he wouldn't be, you know, listed probably. Right. So I wasn't entirely sure what that was. So we know they had at least four, possibly up to six children. Atlanta History Center's website tells us that with freedom, the formerly enslaved population created economic opportunity, establishing businesses as grocers, blacksmiths, and shoemakers. Such entrepreneurship helped build Black communities. Other newly freed Black residents gained employment as cooks, waiters, and personal servants. James Tate became one of Atlanta's five wealthiest African Americans during the 1870s. He became very involved in the business community, even helping others to start their own businesses. He often loaned out money and supplies so that others could start their businesses. Education was also extremely important to both James and Olivia. After all, it was because they could both read and write that they were able to keep in touch even when they were separated. James, along with his good friend, Granthian Daniels, formed the first school for Black students in Atlanta using a boxcar that had been donated to Friendship Baptist Church by the Ninth Street Baptist Church of Cincinnati, Ohio. The boxcar also served as the church itself until the first building was constructed in the 1870s. That school would go on to become Atlanta University, which is now Clark Atlanta University. The university's website says of its history, Clark Atlanta University was formed with the consolidation of Atlanta University and Clark College, both of which hold unique places in the annals of African-American history. Atlanta University, established in 1865 by the American Missionary Association, was the nation's first institution to award graduate degrees to African-Americans. Clark College, established four years later in 1869, was the nation's first four-year liberal arts college to serve a primarily African-American student population. Today, with over 4,000 students, CAU is the largest of the four institutions, CAU, Morehouse College, Spelman College, and Morehouse School of Medicine, that comprise the Atlanta University Center Consortium. I mean, that that is just so amazing. Right? <laughs> James and Olivia were also very active members of the Friendship Baptist Church, Atlanta's first independent Black Baptist congregation. In 2022, the church celebrated its 160th anniversary. James was also very active in politics for more than two decades. In cooperation with Reverend Frank Corals, James established the Equal Rights Association in 1866. In 1870, he ran for the Georgia Assembly. He delivered the Black vote from Atlanta's third and fourth wards to the Republican Party in the city council race, and in 1879, organized African-American Republican ward clubs. Politics for Black Americans in the South 
became difficult and downright dangerous beginning in the 1870s, when Southern Democrats had regained control of the Georgia legislature, effectively ending Reconstruction in the state. During this period, white legislatures at the state and local level passed laws that created an enduring system of racial segregation. Known broadly as Jim Crow laws, this system reinforced the second-class status of citizenship for the Black community. African Americans suffered continuous indignities by the way they were depicted in publications, popular songs, jokes, and cartoons. In doing our research, we came across we came across some articles in which James Tate was mentioned along with other Black political leaders of Atlanta, and the racism in the articles is blatant and disgusting. However, James Tate and others persevered and continued to work for the rights and freedom of Black Americans in Atlanta and beyond. Yeah, some of those articles, I read them and... Uh, Yes, let's just say they were definitely written by white men who had very little tolerance for anybody who wasn't a white man. James Tate would eventually be christened the father of Black business in Atlanta. Of course, he credited Olivia with her love and support through the years. In spite of voter suppression and Jim Crow laws, Atlanta Black residents, many of whom had been enslaved, made significant progress in promoting prosperity and economic development for the city's Black community, and James Tate was among the very first. African-Americans established businesses, formed financial organizations, and made capital available for real estate investments and other endeavors. The growing professional class also included small business operators, civil servants, ministers, and educators. These established the upper echelon in the African-American community in the late 19th century. Their economic success was based largely on a surging Black population in Atlanta that grew from approximately 9,000 in 1880 to 35,000 by 1900. Yeah, and unfortunately, that led to a lot more problems, though, along the racial divides. There's There's a huge riot that happened in, I think it was 1907 in Atlanta, Uh, which I did not want to go into in this episode because it's extremely sad and extremely uh, hard. And fortunately, it happened. Fortunately, is maybe the wrong choice of words, but fortunately, it happened after Olivia's death. So since James and Olivia were not part of that story, I chose not to include it in today's episode. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories. A paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. James Tate passed away on August 29, 1897, and was laid to rest in the Tate family plot in Oakland Cemetery. Olivia would outlive her husband by 10 more years, passing away in 1907. Prior to her death, she lived with her son Thaddeus and his wife Mamie. 
Olivia was laid to rest next to her true love, and they share a granite headstone that says, Tate. James Tate died 1897. Olivia, wife of James Tate, died 1907. Their graves are surrounded by those of their children and their spouses. And I forgot to mention, so if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it. But if you're just listening, like in your car or whatever, I forgot to mention the two top corners of their grave marker have daisies carved into it. Um, It's it's very simple, but very pretty. I really like this particular headstone. Oakland Cemetery is Atlanta's oldest public park and final resting place of many of the city's most notable citizens. The first six acres were established in 1850, and it was officially named Oakland Cemetery in 1872, and now comprises 48 acres of grave art, trees, and gardens. In 1976, the cemetery was added to the National Register of Historic Places, and its Friends Group, now the Historic Oakland Foundation, was begun. Two years later, in 1978, the cemetery hosted its first Sunday in the Park birthday celebration which continues to this day. At the first celebration, a modest crowd of visitors, and they didn't give an exact number, the website just says modest, a modest crowd of visitors enjoyed touring the cemetery, listening to bagpipe music, and hearing about upcoming and current restoration efforts at the cemetery. More than 40 years later, the Sunday in the Park celebration continues welcoming quite a few more visitors, more than 3,000 in 2018, who enjoy food trucks, music, living history performances, a scavenger hunt, and more. In 2006, they hosted their first Halloween celebration called Capturing the Spirit, in which costumed volunteers tell the stories of notable Oakland residents throughout the cemetery after dusk. The story of James and Olivia Tate was one of the stories featured in the 2021 tour. Two other widely popular events hosted at the cemetery each year include Tunes from the Tombs Music Festival, which is a two-day affair with more than 100 acts playing on multiple stages throughout the grounds, and that began in 2011, and the annual Victorian Holiday Tour, which includes some of their gorgeous mausoleums and, of course, a visit from Santa Claus. You know, when you said the birthday party, I can see that at a cemetery that you and I are quite familiar with that would actually be quite fun the thing I find fascinating about Oakland so we follow them on social media especially I see a lot of their posts especially on uh, Instagram but they host so many different types of events in that cemetery uh, the Oakland historic group or foundation, which is their, again, it was originally their friends group and it has grown beyond that. Um, but they work in conjunction with the city and like the parks department and they do stuff all year long. There's events now it's actually currently closed this month in particular January through January. Um, I guess, well, this is coming out February 1st, but it's still January as we're recording this. Uh, they've been closed for some maintenance and some other things for the month of January, but I think they're scheduled to open back up in February. But if you go to their website, they do so many events and activities throughout the year that help with the preservation efforts, obviously, of the cemetery, um, the upkeep of a lot of historic um, grave sites and monuments that are within the cemetery. Uh, and it just really tells the history of Atlanta itself. Um, 
I, I've actually written to Oakland, I think twice now to see if we could get any of their representatives to join us on the podcast, because I would love to learn even more about the cemetery. Uh, I haven't heard back from them, but of course I wrote shortly before the holidays. And again, they have their own holiday events. And I know from following them on social media that October, November, December, huge months for them to be hosting all of these events and having people out. And of course, being in Atlanta, they can do things a little bit more year round in a way that like we don't get to do here in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a, a brief, well, it's a mid-sized window to be able to do things in the cemetery. Yeah, once the snow hits and it covers everything, it becomes yeah. more difficult to do a whole lot in the cemetery in Colorado. But Oakland, um, they're a fascinating cemetery and they have one of the most historic black sections in the city in their cemetery uh, that are that's actually marked where the graves are actually marked and you can go visit them and you can learn about the, the people buried there. Uh, which is sometimes a challenge for Southern cemeteries. Uh, We've mentioned it before, you know, a lot of before the civil war, when they were still slaves, a lot of them were buried on the plantations or near the plantations, but their graves were not marked. And so we don't necessarily know where all of them are. And uh, it's been long enough that some of them probably no longer, even if you were to be able to dig up what you think would be a, a burial site, they may no longer exist. So depending on how they, because they wouldn't have been embalmed or anything. So, um, yeah, so Oakland Cemetery is fascinating. This, the reason I brought them up today, like I said, I've been trying to contact them. I'd love to have them on the podcast, but when I was looking for love stories, um, that were related to a cemetery there, the video, um, from the 2021, at capturing the spirit performance came up with the two actors who were portraying James and Olivia and uh, I will have it linked in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go and watch it, it's a lot of fun to watch. They did such a good job um, portraying the couple. And I really enjoyed having participated in events like that. I really enjoyed watching them do it. They did a phenomenal yeah, job. Yeah, you have an appreciation that other people may not have. And and didn't we have Liz Tappen with mm-hmm. um, a Tomb with a View podcast? Was it episode number 68? episode 68 of her podcast um she actually talked with the director of preservation at oakland cemetery so if you go back and listen to tomb with the view and you go to episode 68 she had a lovely conversation with um and i don't remember the director's name i just remember it was the she was the director of preservation but they talked about not only the preservation efforts at oakland cemetery but in general like for most cemeteries and stuff, the things that have to happen. Uh, but it it's definitely a good insight to learn a little bit more about Oakland. Liz, of course, herself is based out of Atlanta. So she is very familiar with this cemetery um, and has visited it often. Uh, but I wanted to throw that shout out in case anybody wants to learn more about Oakland Cemetery before we have a chance to feature more of the cemetery on our own podcast. Um, because Liz is probably a much better expert on that one than we are. <laughs> oh, she's a great resource and yes, so much fun to have. Oh, yes. We thank you for taking time to join us today for this ordinary, extraordinary story. To learn more about the story we shared, please visit our website, The Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery, where you can find the resources we use to research this episode. 
And please don't forget to visit us on social media where we share all kinds of cemetery photos, quotes, tidbits, and more. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery and on X at Ord Extra Sim. If you enjoyed this or any of our episodes, please consider leaving a five-star review and a comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or our website, or even right here on YouTube. Your positive reviews and enthusiasm for our show help others who love cemeteries and history to discover us and all of our ordinary, extraordinary stories. Until we meet again. <laughs> <laughs>